This is Camille Kajuri and you're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. And so you should keep your finger on the button and don't stop listening because uh, there's nothing better anywhere else. This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 454 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where the air smells, the food's bad, and those in charge won't tell us anything. It's either high school or a hospital. I'm Julie. I'm Kier. I'm Haley. And I'm Jay. And this week, we're happy to return to our travels through the Sarah Jane Adventures, picking up with the second story of season one, Revenge of the Slitheen. You can guess where the jokes are going to go already. (laughs) Maria and Luke are preparing for start of school joined by a new classmate named Clyde, and as strange as first days are, this one is particularly odd. We quickly learn that the Slitheen, last seen in Boomtown, are back for revenge and are using a scheme involving technology centers on school grounds to prepare energy draining systems that, get this kids, will drain the sun. Sarah Jane and the kids, now three of them, work to find a way to overcome the threat of a group of Slitheen using a combination of Axe body spray and vinegar. And thanks to Luke's uh, brand spanking new understanding of how to tell a lie, they're they're able to cripple the blackout machine, chase off and eliminate all but one of the Slitheen invasion squad. Poor little innocent Korst. It's got to be something else. It's got to be the vinegar. Vinegar, that's acetic acid. It acts with calcium. The Slitheen are made of calcium. I'm right. It's the vinegar. Kitchen! So what are we going to do? Stand there and throw pickled eggs at them? Get it all into these. I was joking. The car's not going to start. How do we get back to school? We run. We admit that the Slitheen were a pretty silly aspect of Doctor Who in 2005, but in this context, they seem like they're kind of a better fit. Does anyone feel like this might have been the audience all along? Fart jokes and kids. Yep. Yeah. That's... I kind of think when Doctor Who returned, it was targeting a younger audience. Like, let's build the base, like, get them in early, and then they can be fans for the next 60 years. So then the rest of Doctor Who didn't always stick to that. So I think they work better here if we're mostly targeting kids and ignoring the fact that adults might be watching. Yeah. yeah. If, they, if this was something where, like, the Slitheen felt in World War Three and, and, and those episodes, that, like, they were, like, they had to work uphill to make them actually formidable and actually something to be reckoned with rather than just laughed at here you could just stay on that level and just ride it until the sunset no, they, they they felt like they really fit in this story like they were the perfect villain for the story they were trying to tell here and it didn't seem like it was i don't know it didn't seem like they were trying to force it it really did work 
I also felt like they were super over the top in their cackling, oh, oh yeah, putty face portrayal of them. So it fits this kind of story. You need the emotions to be completely overt, and their interactions to yeah. be ah, <laughs> we, as we they walked down the we hallway. Were watching it, we're like, you know, this is an invitation as an actor to go as far as you want with the most ridiculously cartoonish caricature of a of a portrayal and the director says all right when the scene cuts great go a little further <laughs> here's your fork the scenery's butterscotch just go to town mm-hmm. yeah never did they say pull that back <laughs> <laughs> honestly like i i felt like at one point towards the end it was it might have been like a little bit mature for some of the younger children that might be watching it too but uh yeah oh you mean with the demise of the final two yeah Kind yeah, I mean thing. that that yeah. was a moment. I'm I'm sitting there watching with my ten year old, and like I'm, I glanced over, like, is this is this too much? Are you doing okay? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty serious. That's something I think we should kind of keep an eye out for. I I don't want to foreshadow anything, but I I'd like to keep mm-hmm. an eye out for how they're handling if they are treating this like the farm team for viewers to say, all mm-hmm. right, let the kids watch this now because maybe this is something that doesn't either freak them out as much as Doctor Who proper or does not lead them to sit there and ask a bunch of questions while their parents are trying to watch, then they have this show which is catered more to their thing. So, But is it something where it's also, in a way, preparing them kind of like Torchwood did by the time it hit its second season where it says, Mm. all right, we told some stories, we told you we were capable of going dark and doing gritty stuff, now we're actually going to put something behind it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd I'd like to see if they if they follow that trend if that's something that they're oh, yeah. cognizant of. Well, and if you look at it from that perspective, the pseudoscience that we can see in this kind of episode plays into that as well. There's no over the top explanations, but kids and that age group loves to see a diagram that has a very simple solution right there in the bottom where you can just put something right here and that maps. <laughs> That's very much something a kid believes, but an adult looking at that might go, uh, yeah. We need mm-hmm. to put math in the hole. Right. <laughs> Stick that math in the hole. That's a whole nother conversation. I I mean, they, you know, we had the weight of them discussing, you know, killing the remaining Slade, including the child. But kind of glossed over the fact that Maria did kill one of them before that. And there was no weight at all given to that. She yeah. cheered. Yeah. She's yeah. like, yeah, I killed this one. I blew up the headmaster. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we're probably going to get next week off. <laughs> um, uh, well, speaking of the kids. Uh, so we've got this new character, Clyde. Um, kind of an interesting little introduction, sort of a wants to be a bad boy, but he's really sort of socially inept and it's, he's, he's got a whole thing going on. A really interesting character, but he was clearly a replacement for Kelsey, who we had in the pilot episode. Well, it wasn't really a pilot, but, but the first episode of the, of the season. So the BBC never really gave any explanation for the, for the transition. They just did it. When they were asked, they had nothing to say about it. They just said, oh, don't you don't you enjoy Clyde? Isn't he a great character? So what what were your thoughts on that transition? I feel like if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it because yeah. of the start of the school year. And I really enjoyed the dynamic between all three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was definitely the the moment where I was like, oh, are, are they're just replacing the what's uh, OK? Nope. I like this guy. It's fine. And I mean, it was a, it was a momentary thing of like, I see what they're doing and I'm already over it. Let's move on. Like he fit well. Yeah. I don't know if British t- 
television does pilots the way that American television does, but if the first episode was shot sometime before the rest of the first series, then maybe they had a child actor that was then no longer available when they went to shoot the bulk of the series. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure in this particular case. I know uh, Russell, when he got the green light, he got a bright green light. <laughs> oh, you don't want to market this to kids? You want to sell more swag? Sure, here. Yeah. Um, but in my particular case, I think it was just a matter of the fact that Kelsey didn't land well. I mean, she was, yes, stereotypical for, for her particular archetype, but it was an archetype that didn't really fit the dynamic. She was kind of like, ooh, your dad's kind of fit. <laughs> right. Uh, she did not, did not. Uh, do we see her again? Or is that? No. Do, that was it. Okay. No. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and Clyde kind of fits that, you know, troublemaker, like I don't have a problem mouthing off to authority kind of thing, but did so in a less... I don't want to say offensive manner because it wasn't really offensive, but like just it, it, it was more comfortable. You know, you, he was the, the quote unquote cool guy that, so it, it, it just, it landed better when he did it. Also, I think if you're looking at the characters that we have, you don't really need as much of a foil for Maria where you do need someone for Luke yeah. and Luke's not going to sit in a room with someone like, the girl right mm, yeah but he will potentially be able to form that bond with clyde and maria's got her mother she's got sarah jane she's just generally seems more open to talking with her dad even so she mm -hmm. has characters where you can get some of her insight and get, like have them have a conversation she doesn't need a best friend right mm. Luke yeah. and Clyde can become that dynamic and it gives them a little bit more space to breathe and have that relationship develop on screen, hopefully. Yeah. It adds for the comedic aspect because you've got Clyde constantly asking Luke, you know, why are you like this? What 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 is this? And then there's the fact <laughs> he that he just straight up explains, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well, because I was actually born a couple of days ago, and da -da 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 -da. and that just uh, that that adds another layer of humor to it because it's not just him fumbling for answers that he doesn't have. He has them, and they yeah. just make Clyde even more confused. So comedy gold. <laughs> what if anyone else were to ask him the same thing? So you have to have a character like Clyde to yep. ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it all goes unsaid and Luke just sits there and only ever talks to Maria. Right. That's also kind of the problem with Kelsey is Kelsey is on the Maria side of the free f three friends. So then Maria becomes the center of that friend group. Whereas right. by introducing Clyde as a new person, we now have Luke in the middle, which I think is what you're really looking for. Yeah. there's a, and, and, and even the, among the three of them, that that triad is a little more balanced mm -hmm. in what they rely on one another for um I, I have to say though i will also give clyde all the credit in the world for having the coolest use of a school tie ever <laughs> tying it so that only about an inch and a half of little nubbins comes down below the knot i haven't seen weird tie knots like that since the magicians <laughs> <laughs> i and i mean they they did a good job of of uh you know like aiming at the target audience because that both my kids were sitting there and they're like, oh, he he reminds me of this character from Doctor Who. Like one of them said he reminded him of Rory. The other one obviously drew the parallel to to Mickey. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, clearly they're they're getting that like they appreciate who this character is. So it, it worked for the target audience. Yep. So, you know, we're talking about relationships. We also have the not quite conventional mother and son relationship between Luke and Sarah Jane. And it's pretty carefully explored here. 
trying not to ignore the strangeness of it, but also not trying to make it overly uncomfortable. How did that land with everyone? I have to give it respect for for walking that line for a, for for a, a very serviceable reason, but I think there's a deeper reason behind that too. the The fact that you've got Sarah Jane from her side of the of the of the relationship not really knowing what to do with a child. Um, really very awkward with kids, as we saw in the in the previous episode. She, this is not her strong suit. She deals with things that are horrible and and awful, and and in her her uh, investigatory process, dealing with people who are horrible and awful. Yeah. Sounds and so perfect she's preparation her, for a teenager. I don't know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> she's always got her guard up. When when Clyde first comes in, like you can still see that that is in full effect. She's just like, no, shut up. You're you're not important right now. Like it just <laughs> yeah. completely dismissed him. Right. So so thankfully from- he doesn't GAF, right? <laughs> right. right. He, he's, he's oblivious like, to it. Yeah. Whatever. D- I'll play with this toy tactics. over here until you tell me I shouldn't. <laughs> but they so she's got to look at it as as a matter of okay, I'm I I have to. I I feel morally obligated to let this aspect of my guard down for his benefit. I've taken him on as my ward, but if we're going to treat this on the external uh, f- facade of it as a as a mother-son relationship for for the sake of, you know, explaining to the neighbors across the hedgerow, th- then, you know, th- there has to be that aspect of it too, but it's very small steps in. I'm glad they didn't just dive into it in the second uh, second story here and just say okay well we're we're going to we're going to take this on i've adopted you i'm mom now we're going to do mom things well she kind of does but Tries she does to. the tropes wrong yeah right <laughs> and and that's i i respect that but the the subtext to it is i think to a certain degree there may be something being said here about uh foster parenting mm-hmm. uh adoptive parenting step parenting where that relationship, so your viewing audience is being spoken to a little bit about saying, yeah, having somebody new in the house who's taking on this paternal role is going to feel really, really awkward to you. But we just want you to be aware that it's really freaking awkward to them too. And as mm-hmm. long as you're both aware of it, you can step towards this together, baby stepping it, but but both realizing you're working towards a common goal. Well, and, I, and I appreciated the fact that that goes beyond just Sarah Jane and Luke, too. I mean, you see that with, with Maria and her dad and her mom coming in all the time, like the tension there and the uncomfortableness. And, you know, it's there's that that dynamic uh, Clyde making comments about, you know, he's he's got a dad out there somewhere. He's sure, you know, kind of thing. Like, right. It's right. Nobody has the perfect picturesque family. And that's I feel like that is important to to display like, hey, every family, no matter what situation is a family Excellent you know point. some are harder than others but you know it's important to recognize that fact yeah, but also speaking specifically to sarah jane's uncomfortableness with this it, it really makes so much sense for her character who as far as we can tell in her story that we've been given has not a lot of experience with kids probably not even a lot of experience mm-hmm. with like friends who have kids because of the life she's led so her last exposure to parenting was when she was parented right yeah uh, yeah, so uh, and, and then you you get into the whole well, and that was another time too. So we don't we don't parent our kids you know, <laughs> like like I was. Learn from your mistakes, break the cycle. Yeah, on and on yeah. And yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, wrapping up, we've if Sarah Jane is if Sarah Jane Adventures is for all intents and purposes supposed to be a, a Doctor Who for kids, 
what are the the Whovian influences that really kind of shine through in this? What are what are those touch points that really draw the kids in? Aside from the sonic lipstick, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a little too on the nose. I mean, that and the math problem solving being the chosen one in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, putting a bunch of uh, yeah the 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 squiggles up there and saying, "Look clearly, <laughs> this yeah. equation that I just pulled out of my my Bathali is is the is the answer <laughs> to everything." Well, and I, I felt like the uh, you know Sarah Jane talking to Luke, and it's like, nope. Something strange, but at least it's not aliens. And then, oh, nope, I was wrong. It's aliens. <laughs> That's true. Uh, big, I'm, shiny new buildings are always evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yep, for There's sure. There's always that blank space, and you don't know where the door is. Yeah. Any Anytime you see a, a new building go up on campus, always ask to see the blueprints. That's... That's pretty right. much yeah, a given. Of course. Um, the the yeah. fact that uh, in this one, I, I would say the the you're you're likely hero. You know, everyone would look to Sarah Jane as the titular character and say she's the one that's going to come up with the solution. But once again, as is indicative with this particular series, and it smacks of nearly half of of, of Doctor Who proper, the companions are the ones to come up with the real true solution set. You know, the the hero is within the 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 ordinary person all mm-hmm. along. Vinegar. Vinegar. <laughs> and Clyde claiming that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I I don't know what it was that really tipped him off or if it was anything specific, but I remember my my 14-year-old sitting there and like starting it before the the title credits even started going. He was like, "Oh yeah, no, this is Doctor Who." Like it just, it felt like Doctor Who to him. Sure. So and specifically, and this will this will really be interesting to see what happens uh, when season fourteen rolls around. Whether it still has that kind of when when Russell's back at the helm, will it have that particular formula that mm. that chemistry that says, "Oh, okay, we get the tea up, we get a threatening thing, we get a joke, we get another threatening thing that's even bigger." Opening credits. You know, mm-hmm. it, not to say he's terribly formulaic because it freaking <laughs> works. Pop music is popular because it works. Mm-hmm. That those beginning scenes felt very much like a classic episode where you get the claw and the slide over mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the feet of the monster before you see the whole monster. Right. Th- yeah. All of that is very classic to me it's by the yeah. numbers yeah. yeah yeah and i mean it it, it worked because it, it gave you enough to get you interested because the it wasn't even at that moment it wasn't until later that the the 10 year old was like are these the zipper forehead people like <laughs> it was enough to interest him but it didn't tip it off well here made the joke he said here they blew all their budget on three zippers oh there's a fourth zipper yeah <laughs> Yeah, they had to give that. That was their biggest CGI spend. That and putting mm. the technology building on the school grounds because that building <laughs> right. was—it's uh, a little fuzzy. All the other buildings are very crisp. Yeah. I mean, the, if you had Matt a crappier TV, was... the resolution would have been perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, back Watching in two thousand five. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I must have done. Oh well, but yeah, I, I definitely worth the ride. I'm. I. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that we're doing these. Yeah. yeah. I. I I feel like it captures a lot of the essence of it. And if Jay's kids are any anything to judge by, we're they're doing it right. Yeah. If they're I mean, interested it, we, and involved. Yeah. We we finished and the ten year old was like, Can we watch the next one? 
So, and you're like, no, because I won't remember from three weeks from now when I have the podcast. (laughs) Exactly. You can. I'm going to leave the room and come back in three weeks. (laughs) He binges it it, and then spoils you. (laughs) Their their target demographic, A plus. Spot on. So on that front, if uh, if the the deity uh, Russell of the Davies um, is going to bestow <laughs> his, uh, his his hand upon his his little underlings again, uh, how soon is that going to happen? Well, prepare yourself for <clears throat> by rough calculation seven hundred days of waiting. I didn't think of it like and that, and now I'm even more sad. I'm not sucks. that surprised, given how many big specials they're doing next year, that we're not getting another mm-hmm. series next year. And at least he didn't yeah. wait until October 2023 to tell us. This Bing. is true. That's exactly yeah. it. Yes, it does suck. And and it, you can then follow up with the question as to whether or not he will actually announce who his 14th Doctor will be prior to that point, or really play it true rtd and say you'll find out when they show up on screen i i don't think that doctor who is a small enough title to be able to pull that off anymore i think he may try and push that but someone at the bbc has got to be smart enough to be like there's no way we're going to make it that far we have to do an announcement right so the last two had big promos i remember Mm -hmm. when sure we got uh, the Capaldi, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it I, was a. They did a, a big whole deal. show. Yeah. He walked out on that stage. Yep. Yeah. Well, so and isn't the regeneration supposed to happen in the 60th special, or, or did I just imagine that they said that? Uh, well, yeah, you do get the exit because the the conversations from Jody and specifically from Mandeep have said that that when you see Jody's exit, it will be a tearjerker. So the question is, will that will you see both sides of the regeneration, or will it be one something where you're staring into a yeah. set of eyes and going, "Who the heck is that?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or will we even like, get that much? Right, right. I, that they may very well be the case. I mean, that w- that would be good marketing because mm-hmm. if they're doing that, let's see, the the last special will be the one for the BBC 60th, or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, the, the BBC Centennial. Centennial, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, then your break until November of uh, twenty three. So that at least gives people something to chew on. You get the the press junkets flying for however long that that uh, delta is between those two, um, and work out the dates on it. But yeah, that that gives people something to to, to discuss. I really, th- uh, me personally, and, and I, I don't have any say or no influence over damn near anybody i can't even influence my four-year-old um (laughs) and and i don't have any control over anything requiring a budget but i would think that one of the great things that you could do over that gap if we find out maybe we find out or we we yeah let's just say we find out during the the centennial who the 14th is that's the reveal right conversation goes through the roof water cooler discussion is rampant then if it's seven months or 12 months or 15 months or however long that gap is until you get to November of 23, you put out these little clips that don't involve the doctor. They're just setting up the state of, of 
earth and, or, or the, the conflicts. And, and it becomes one of those things like, wouldn't, what would, the, uh, go back to what was written on Yaz's hand, what would the doctor do? And that becomes kind of the, the, the line, right? It's like, wouldn't it be great if we had the doctor back right about now? And you just twist and twist and twist until November comes around. Wait, wait, and then are Russell you saying comes. they should promote the show while the show is not on the air? <laughs> it's, it's, I know it's a long shot. This is an These alien things have concept. not been tried before. Well, risk you know, versus reward. You know, you know what would be a good thing for them to do is webisodes. <laughs> <laughs> Sing along if you know the words. No, this internet thing's never going to catch on. <laughs> I don't know. The I, content? Do we, we, right. wait, we want that? Mm. That's a thing that we would like mm. to see more of. Oh, Occasionally, right. yeah. But uh, so note here that the back half of this conversation that Russell had with the Guardian, he was talking about It's a Sin uh, winning uh, Guardians you know, uh, series of the of the year kind of thing and getting all this praise and laud for it. Um, and then they were asking about Ali Alexander and, it, and, and they're saying, you know, oh, well, what are the rumors that, you know, they were going to be cast as the 14th? And he basically told them, we just started auditions. <laughs> so no. <laughs> nothing to give you put your dogs away i think that there may have been an expectation that he was coming in with someone in mind and mm. and that it's just like a snap of the fingers there's no process behind it that's not true he may have someone who he kind of has a thought about a but he's not gonna tell right and if it's a specific person that's dangerous because yeah. then you play it and you write it for someone who may not be available you kind of lose the spirit of the doctor by making it a human and that's not who the doctor is or someone who in that part when they actually get in front for a screen test or for filming proper can't produce exactly what it is you have in your head that they are capable of breathing into life off the page or yeah. even they just have a different idea of what they want to do with the role Right. right. Yeah, they start making some choices where like, nah, that's not what I cast you for. Yeah. yeah. Right. Unless you're going to get Idris in there. I mean. Well, then you just get, you know, he just has a giant collar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do like the fact that he has admitted that he is already writing episodes. Yes. So the yeah. story ideas are already in there. And then you just tweak that to mold whoever is chosen. Yeah. Because you can, we've uh, we've toyed with this before. We've said, you know, what if, what would happen if you took this this plot and put another incarnation of the Doctor in, and how would yeah. it change? But it still doesn't change the fact that if it's a solid plot, yeah, you know, your conflict, your adversary, your setup, your denouement, every if that works mechanically, and all you're doing is just putting in a really fun personality to sort of add some really quippy dialogue or to or to pull something really interesting out of your villain. Then that's that. That's just icing on the cake. So write a good story first. Mm -hmm. Sure, I have faith. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see where this goes. It's yeah, bodes well. We have an answer to a question. We well, do. Is, is it like is, is an answer? It was, it's a, It's an answer to a question that we wanted to question. Right. We wanted to know. That yeah. this was something to talk about. And now we have the answer that we didn't want. <laughs> this, is, this, is so this is the worst episode of Jeopardy I have been on. <laughs> so, yeah, the we learned a little bit more about the New Year's Day special, which we're going to be getting here in a couple days time. Uh, and this will happen post flux. In full acknowledgement mm -hmm. of the flux. 
Yeah. So this is the next chapter in the story. Yeah. Cool. Great. So, <laughs> I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to clean. You can't just tell because this is supposed to be like from all the descriptors and the trailers and everything. This is a rom-com, which they often do with their, with a lot of their holiday specials. You remember right. like Dr. Mysterio and all those things. They were well, fun. I'm I'm happy to hear that it is like truly a post-flux event because – one of the first things that that came up after the last episode was you in the episode with the Cybermen, the uh, Santarans, and the Daleks all being wiped out by the Flux, roll credits, and then go into a trailer where there's another Dalek. And it's like, right. where did this thing come from? So the fact that this is a post-Flux story, that we're we're guaranteed that, means that that will be acknowledged and addressed. Yeah. So – it, we were wondering, was it an absolute uh, elimination of all of those particular species? No, it was just really, really considerable numbers of them in their forces because that was the matter that was supposed to be feeding mm-hmm. the the flux. The of flux, that, right? yeah. So if you've got a bunch of ticked off survivors or or remaining forces, okay, I get that. Uh, I I personally, I would have rather seen. Cybermen, I think. I yeah. just maybe I'm losing my my love for the Daleks a little bit. Although they've I been mean, a bit overdone, a little. I mean, granted, when we did uh, resolution, mm-hmm. uh, that that made them that that was an interesting take, and yeah. I thought that was that was engaging. But I just don't want to whip that horse too hard, right? So I'm I'm hoping that they can bring the same kind of interest that they did in resolution. Uh, I mean, it's. I've heard, and I don't know how verifiable this is, but like I've heard someone say that the the New Year's specials are supposed to be kind of like a trilogy. So mm. you've you've got Resolution of the Daleks, you've got this one. It, it like so hopefully it follows that same kind of uh, of of path of like you know an interesting and threatening Dalek, you know that kind of thing. I don't know. Right. So I don't think they're going to actually walk us completely out of the post flux disaster. Um, mm. Or if it's just a matter of they're trying to establish that this is the new baseline or something, that I would be okay with because mm-hmm. it justifies and solidifies that series in the history of this new world, and it it makes it be a little different from real life. And yeah. if they take it well and say, okay, all of this happened, then what else becomes true? Mm-hmm. What other worlds have suffered? What other pieces are missing from the histories or space or time? What, what I would love to see come out of this is, is that kind of thing of like, all right, this traumatic event has happened. The universe is shattered. We're picking up the pieces and we're figuring out how to move forward. Oh, there's a Dalek we have to deal with in the process. We've dealt with the Dalek and then end it with like, oh crap, this has set up something so much worse. This power vacuum is there now. And, and mm-hmm. that's what leads us into the the centennial special. I had a thought about the fact that we were, we were almost joking a bit that they said, oh, with the, with the collapsing uh, universe or, or things that have been sort of destroyed around the edges, Earth was now, haha, the center of what was left. <laughs> that tracks... If you want to look at that as far as continuity, with everything that we hear about Earth in the tens of thousands of millions of years in the future, where why is Earth still relevant 
on a cosmic scale. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the doctor talks about fifty first century Earth and two hundred seventy ninth century Earth and all this, when because humans... it's the center of the freaking universe now, <laughs> and Shibnall yeah. just wrote us our solution for our future yeah. set episodes. Yeah. When humans Genius. are the size of snow globes <laughs> and have one little arm hanging off, yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I I will give the man credit. He actually did it. <laughs> I I'll be damned. Oh. <laughs> you were today years old when you admitted I, that. <laughs> I, reader, I was stunned. Narrator, he was. <laughs> That leads us to next week. We will be talking about uh, the the New Year special Eve of the Daleks. Um, yes. I mean, new Doctor Who, yay! Still a little, still a little burned from the last time, but I'm I'm willing to get excited um, about it. Truth. We'll see what happens. But this has been episode 454 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next week, this is Jay Saint Clyde. No, we did, we we can't make blowing up school jokes anymore just chill with that Ooh, yeah and this is Kira saying eve of the daleks uh preceded only by adam of the mitchells <laughs> this is julie saying if this episode has taught me anything it's that you should always have a cold chip sandwich on you <laughs> <laughs> and this is Haley saying i'll probably podcast with you until i find some cooler people <laughs> <laughs> i was joking about it before <laughs> but now i really need it We'll see you next week. I'm Ozzy. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Godfrey Public Radio is copyright 2021. We'll see you next week.